few months ago, I was praying about what we should study and, and talk about together here at Journey and <clears throat> looking at the calendar and I noticed that Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year, this month. As a matter of fact, if you didn't know it, Valentine's Day is next Sunday. Gentlemen, if you need to get out your iPhones and put that in the calendar, set a couple of alerts to make sure you don't miss it. Valentine's Day is next Sunday. So I thought, hey, it's a perfect month to talk about relationships, to talk about uh, marriage and, and, and commitment. And so we're launching a new series today called Be Mine. And if you're, if you're married, there's a lot of practical stuff that we'll talk about that you can use. If you're not married, there are principles that you can apply to various relationships. If you're thinking about getting married someday, it's stuff you can kind of tuck away maybe for later. If you never ever want to get married again in your whole life, even if you had another life, you wouldn't get married in that life, then it will at least give you some ways that you can pray for people who are married, because I'm sure you know some people who are married, some ways that maybe you can encourage them in the process of being husband and wife. Uh, if you've ever dated, if you've been married, you know kind of that feeling of the video where you, you're interested in somebody, maybe you're, you're thinking about getting to know somebody, all of the emotions and nerves that go with that. And then if you've been married, you... You know what that day is like. It finally arrives. All of the planning, all of the scheduling, all of the discussing, all of the arguments about uh, what you're going to serve at the reception and what the dresses are going to be. It's finally over and it's actually the day. Now, we've been together for a while now here at Journey. And so I, I feel like we're getting to know each other. We kind of share a little bit more about our past. So I, I brought some pictures from our special day. Uh, we were married on August 15th, uh, a couple of years ago. I'm not going to tell you when because you'll start doing the math and my wife will get mad at me if you do that. But here's a picture of the happy couple on our day, uh, you know, three, four years ago when we, when we got married. Uh, my hair was fluffier because there was more of it at the time. I was six, about eight months out of college still sporting the freshman 15 in my face. It turned into the senior 25. Um, <clears throat> my wife, however, gorgeous as ever. Um, I'm 24 years old in this picture. Julie's 16, obviously. <clears throat> um, which, if my kids are in this service, 24 is way too young to get married. Right? 30 is a good number to shoot for. 24, we, were, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, this, this is a picture of Julie and I with Julie's mom, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, affectionately now called Meemaw. She wasn't Meemaw at the time, but now she's Meemaw, and uh, Meemaw hated me on this day. She, and it wasn't me. I didn't take it personally. She would have hated anybody that was marrying her baby girl on this day, but especially me because uh, I was getting, to, getting ready to move her baby girl to Fort Worth, Texas, 16 hours away from her. So there was some real animosity from Mima towards me on this day, but she got over it, um, sort of. <laughs> One of the great things about flipping back through the photo album is remembering what the fashion was or, or wasn't uh, at, at the time of your wedding. Here's a picture of us with our bridesmaids in their dresses. 
We went with the... We went with the Pepto-Bismol theme, uh, just in general when it came to colors, uh, just all of that material and hair, uh, a part of our special day. Um, by the way, I know some of you are engaged. We could probably get our hands on a couple of these if you want to go this way in your, in your wedding. Um, it showed you Julie's mom. Here's a picture of me and my dad. Right before we went out, like my dad was a minister, and so he was going to do the service. And right before we walk out, the photographer snaps this picture of my dad and I. And I, yes, I know my dad's tall. You don't you, like. <laughs> you don't have to meet me in the lobby afterwards and say, "Man, your dad was really tall." I, I know. I I didn't swim in that gene pool. That's just I got I got the other end of the genetics. But uh, that was my dad. We go into the service. We have the ceremony. We say our I do's. We celebrate getting married. And then, then we go to the reception and, uh, you know, we eat cake and, and have punch. I, I don't know if everything went according to plan at your wedding and reception. Everything did not go according to plan at our wedding and reception. Uh, we, we had a lot of kids at our wedding, young, real, real, real little kids. My wife taught music to a group of kids, and so she invited all of them and their parents to come to the wedding. And at one point during the reception, they got all of the little kids together, and they were going to take a picture of all of, all of the kids that she was teaching at the time. And, and one of the moms of the kids, by the way... I, this is not someone that I invited to the wedding. Somebody my wife invited to the wedding. One of the moms stands up on a metal folding chair. Yeah, you, you know what's happening. Uh, and she gets ready to take a picture. Now, those of you who are under 30, you won't understand this, but she was holding an actual camera, and it was nice and thick, and it had a wristband that wrapped around her wrist. And so she's standing on the folding chair, and just before she takes the picture... The folding chair did what folding chairs do, right? It folded. <laughs> and when it folded, she went from this, she threw her hands back to try to catch her balance, and her camera attached to her wrist hit my dad square in the forehead, <laughs> almost knocked him unconscious. Matter of fact, we got this picture. This is actually... <laughs> This is actually from our wedding reception. The, the hand you see there is my dad's brother, my uncle, who's uh, applying pressure to the wound so dad didn't bleed out in the middle of our wedding reception. He survived. So he, he survived butterfly stitch and some towels, and he was a new man. After all of that drama and all of that excitement, we, we run out into the parking lot and through family and friends who are cheering and throwing stuff, and we get in the car, and we're about to pull out of the parking lot, and this is the, the last picture of us before we, ha yeah, yeah, it's the last picture of us, and we're getting ready to pull out of the parking lot of our college church, and it's official, and if you've been married, you know what that moment's like, it's like, oh, it's over, it's like all of that, now we can actually get on with the whole purpose of, of us getting married and life together and joy. And we have all of these great dreams. There's so much excitement and happiness. And, and all of that excitement and happiness, it lasts a while, right? And just depending on your marriage, that a while could be a different amount of time for each of us. Like a while for some of us was a few weeks. And a while for some of us was a few months. And, and maybe a while... 
was, for, was a, a few years for some of us, and, and let's be honest, a while was like 90 minutes for some of us. Like we were, it was like it was the, the joy kind of sapped away pretty quickly sometimes. But no matter how long a while is, the energy and excitement of the wedding day, as wonderful as it is, as, as great and powerful and fun as it is, it, it only carries a relationship so far. And, and at some point, uh, there's a, a deepening that has to happen, a, a maturity that has to happen to the relationship between a man and a woman if it's going to last for years and years and maybe even for a lifetime. C.S. Lewis writes about this in Mere Christianity. He calls that initial excitement and joy about getting married or, or that initial excitement about falling in love. He uses the word thrill, like the thrill of those early times when you can't get enough of each other. Like You want to talk all the time. You're counting down the minutes so you get to see each other again. You're talking into the night or today you're texting into the night. right? You're FaceTiming way into the night. You're Skyping, whatever it is. It's like you just can't get enough. He says, you know, that initial thrill is great. It's, it's a part of relationship. It's a wonderful part that should be enjoyed. But at some point... That initial thrill has to begin to die away so that it gets replaced with something more lasting, something deeper, something with a, a greater foundation because the, the wedding day is not enough to sustain you the rest of your life. And even more than we did, I don't know if you've been to a wedding lately, but I'm telling you, young couples put a ton into the wedding day these days. Even the proposal, right? right? It's, it's video, so it's a hidden camera, and it's video, and we can post it online. And then there's a venue for the wedding, and there's another venue for the reception. And so much thought goes into what they're going to wear, and the timing is going to look beautiful. And it's wonderful. If, you, if you've been to any weddings lately, they're just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. I'm just hoping this fad passes before my three daughters get ready to get, get married, right? Because I'm thinking the courthouse is a great-looking building, right? Man, you talk about a venue with history, and like, man, that's, that's, that's beautiful. You, we should do that. But no matter how much you sink into that day, there's got to be something more that takes over. See, Julie and I... We don't love each other the exact same way we did sitting in that red Chevy Cavalier four-speed getting ready to go on our honeymoon. We don't love each other in the same way. It's different now. It's better now. It's, it's more lasting now. Our emotions in general and certainly toward one another have grown up. They've matured. And, and I don't talk a lot about our relationship in this way as far as marriage and, and romance and that sort of thing. I talk about our family, but I, I don't talk a lot about our marriage for, for two reasons. Number one, I don't, I don't ever want to send the impression that our marriage is somehow more perfect than anybody else's because it's not. Right? We argue about the same things you argue about. We have the same conflicts that, that you have. We wrestle with the same things, uh, fight about the same things that all of you 
fight and argue about. The exact, we're humans too. We're, we're fighting the same battles that you are fighting in your marriage. The, the other reason I don't talk a lot about our marriage is because whenever somebody goes on and on about their spouse or their marriage, like just gushing and all these romantic terms... I can't help it. In the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, like, something's wrong with your marriage. Like, it's like, serious. Like, if you talk about it that much, like, that's weird. And this, this is a problem. And maybe that's not true at all. Maybe that's just your personality. But that's what I always assumed. So you'll know that going forward. Um, if, if you got to talk about it that much, like, oh, is everything really okay? So I, 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 don't, I don't talk about our marriage a lot, but... I want in this series for for us to learn together. I, I want us to grow together. I want to I want us to share together because what what I found was there were there were certain things that got us married when we were in our early twenties, and there's kind of a different set of things that keep us married now that we've been married for a, a long, long time, and 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 motivate us to work through those difficult times that come to all of our relationships and all of our marriages. So I just want to start kind of simply today as we kick off this series. It's nothing really earth shattering. I want to reaffirm in all of our hearts as we get started that marriage really matters. It really matters. Your marriage really matters. My marriage matters. Marriage as an ideal matters. Marriage in our culture, in our society, regardless of what anybody's saying these days, marriage really does matters, matter. And it matters for a couple of reasons. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates Everything that is speaks it into existence, including humans. And then Genesis chapter 2, he kind of retells that story. And he, he zeroes in specifically on the first humans that he's created. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we find, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God recognizes a problem and puts it out there. Okay, look, we got this one guy by himself. This is not good. And then God just sort of leaves it hanging. Like he doesn't fix the problem immediately. I think God does this a lot. I think God looks at our lives and realizes, all right, there's a problem here, but I'm going to give them time to catch up to that problem. I'm going to give them time to realize. I'm not going to just fix it. I'm going to wait until they realize this is a problem, and then we're going to work together, and we're going to fix it. Here's what happens next. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was Found. So God's aware there's a problem. God gives Adam an assignment, and I, I, I don't know how important it was that Adam name all of the animals. I think God could have handled that. I, I think a part of this process was helping Adam understand there was a problem. Helping Adam realize, okay, like lions have other lions, and zebras have zebras, and porcupines have porcupines, but I'm thinking none of this is like me. Like there's, there's not... There's not a compatibility. So God continues with the story. So, 
Once Adam realizes this, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And I read that with Adam sort of saying, like, finally, like enough with all the animals. Finally, like, I think this could work, God. I, I like what you're doing here. Finally, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So God brings two humans into existence, introduces them to one another, and then, not that God makes decisions, but then the next decision was, all right, what kind of relationship are they going to be in? What's going to be the initial relational organization of the first humans? And God could have done anything He wanted. God could have said, all right, the first relational organization is going to be a government. Like You're going to be president, Eve. All right, let's just admit it. You're president. Adam, you're vice president. Just get used to it. All right, this is the way. You're going to have office hours. You're going to live in a place, like, uh, you're going to live in a place called Washington. You're going to tell lots of lies to get reelected all the time. This is how... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Too many presidential debates right now. He could have said, the primary relational system is government. He didn't. Aren't you glad? He, he could have said, all right, we're going to have a civic organization. We're going to have the Lions Club. You're going to do lots of good things for the community. You're going to work together. This is how it's going to work. He could have said, we're going to have a business. We've got CEO, CFO. You're going to run a wonderful organization he could have put a school together. Right? Adam, you're K through 5th. Eve, you're 6th through 12th. We don't have any kids in your school yet. We're going to take care of that later. But this is how you're going to relate to one another. He didn't. He had lots of relational organization options. And yet the one relational organization that he picked at the beginning was, you're going to be husband and wife. You're going to relate to each other. The first primary relationship is husband and wife. And, and that's not to say that God doesn't call some people to be single. The Bible does deal with that. Absolutely, it does. It's not to say that God doesn't call some people to be single for a season. For this season, this is what I most want for you. I'm going to bless that. I'm going to use you. Absolutely, He does. But at the beginning of time, emphasizing that marriage mattered then, still matters today, God's first act of human relationship was to join a man and a woman together in marriage. Your marriage matters. If you're married today, if you get married at some point in the future, it matters. And it's mattered since the beginning of time. Not only that, it matters because our marriages were designed to demonstrate Christ. They weren't just designed to make us happy, although hopefully they do. They weren't just designed so that we could have kids and populate the earth, although that happened. They were designed to be a reflection of the love of Christ for people. The servant nature of Christ for other people. And God chose to embed that picture in your marriage. It matters. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 5. He actually quotes the verse from Genesis 2. 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's from Genesis. And then he adds, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And then Paul goes right back to telling husbands to love their wives and uh, uh, that sort of instruction. But right in the middle, Paul says, look, it's hard to explain this. I'm not sure I understand everything, but this love between man and woman, this sacrificial servant nature from husband to wife and wife to husband is to be a profound spiritual picture of the way Jesus loves other people and serves other people. Your marriage is a picture of the gospel. Your marriage, done right, lived out under the lordship of Jesus Christ, your marriage is a picture for those who see it of the way God loves us. It matters. Another reason it matters. Our marriages matter for the sake of the next generation. It matters for those who are coming along behind us, the security, the stability, the the emotional health of being in a home where mom loves dad and dad loves mom and they're not perfect and they work through their issues and no, they don't get along all of the time, but they're committed to one another for the sake of the next generation. Your marriage matters. It, It matters. And not just your own kids. Students and kids today have fewer and fewer models of healthy marriages than at any other time in history. Fewer My kids have a ton of models of celebrities who jump from marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage. Tons of that model. They have tons of models of of celebrities who ignore marriage altogether and just jump from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, right? And then they write songs about it, right? And then my kids sing their songs about their past relationships. (laughs) We are never, ever, ever. They have tons of that. What I pray for my kids is that they would see godly moms and dads. Not perfect. Godly husbands and wives. Not perfect. But who are committed to their marriage because it matters. And I know the greatest greatest influence on my children when it comes to marriage is mine. Is whether my marriage is healthy, whether my relationship to their mother is healthy and vice versa. But just selfishly, Boy, I really would like for them to see that in your marriage too. And you should want that. You should want your kids to be able to look at our marriage and other marriages and realize, you know what? You can make it. Regardless of what movies say and songs say and celebrities say and culture, regardless of the other messages out there, these are real people who have made it over the long haul. For the sake of the next generation, we need strong marriages. And I realize whenever we dive into such a specific topic as this one, there's always the, but what ifs, yeah, buts. I I totally get it. Am I saying that you should always stay, no matter what's happened, no matter what's going on in your home, you should always stay? That's not what I'm saying. 
life is complicated. Life is messy. Relationships are messy. I, I totally understand that. I'm not trying to paint with some broad brush. I, I understand that life is complicated. I, I understand that series like this sometimes surface guilt about the past. Well, like two relationships ago, two marriages ago, my last marriage. And yet... And yet, as God's people, we have to say to one another frequently, look, this is important. This matters. Marriages are worth fighting for. Marriages are worth doing the hard work. And whatever's in your past, let's let God forgive that. Let's let's let God have that. Let's let the cross take care of that. But right now, The marriage that you're in right now matters. So, a couple of suggestions just as we kick the series off. Here's the first one. As we go through these next couple of weeks, look in the mirror first. As we talk about marriage, look in the mirror first. Don't let your filter for this series be, boy, I know that couple's really having some problems. I hope they're paying attention. My brother's wife, he needs, she needs to hear what they're saying. No. Let's, let's not process this information with a, oh, they really need to hear this. Or even, this is harder, or even, hope my spouse is paying attention. <laughs> right? No elbows this series. Don't cut your eyes. No audible grunts and noises. Can can our filter not be what somebody else needs to get out of this? Can our filter be, God, how do I need to change? What are you saying to me? And then second to that, way long second from that, how do we need to change? How do I need to change? How do we need to change? Let's Let's look in the mirror first. Secondly... Prioritize your marriage. Just as a starting point for this series, prioritize your marriage. I know that's not new. That's not clever. It's not like, oh, I've never heard that before. Right. But here's the thing about life. Life has a way of bumping marriage down the list. I mean, your life's like mine. There's stuff going on. There's kids stuff and schedules and, and, and jobs and requirements and places we've got to be. Life has a way of nudging marriage down the line. And often what happens is marriage picks up the leftovers after everything else is done. That's just the way it is because we're two adults, right? We're two adults and we got to get through this and we got to get to the other side. It's just that we don't ever get to the other side. We just keep handing our marriage the leftover time and finances, and emotion, and conversation. We just keep giving the leftovers down the line. Here's what I, here's what I see about marriage in general, I think, is that our, our marriage relationship is rarely demanding until it's in trouble. It's rarely demanding. Right? Our spouse, our marriage rarely demands attention, demands focus, demands priority until we're on the verge of a train wreck. Our kids are demanding. Right? Our boss is demanding. Our schedule's demanding. There are all these things that are demanding, but our marriage is rarely demanding until we're really in trouble. So 
Why wait until then? Why not find a way over this, this series, and maybe it sets up a pattern for the rest of your marriage, find a way to say, you know what, we've got to get control of the calendar because our marriage has got to get bumped up the list. We've got to get control of the checkbook because we've got to have some resources to invest in our marriage. We've got to get control of emotions and fatigue because our marriage has to move up the priority list. Prioritize your marriage. Lastly, protect your marriage. And we'll talk more about this over the next couple of weeks. But marriage in general, and yours and mine specifically, are constantly under attack. Constantly under attack from a variety of sources. And we have to find a way to build boundaries, margins, fences, protection around what is most important and has been important since the beginning of time, and that is our marriage. It matters. It matters. Mine matters. Yours matters. It's not dispensable. There's no way to jump from one to the next to the next to the next without there being emotional scars that you drag along with you. It matters. Healthy marriages matter. And what's What's great for me and Julie as, as we look back at pink dresses and big hair and bloodied foreheads, <laughs> as we flip through that photo album, it's not just the fashion. It's the fact that we look into the eyes of two people who really didn't know what they were doing. Really had no idea what was going to come in their future. And when I put the picture of that beautiful 20-something-year-old in a white dress on the screen, I know that she's still the one that my heart belongs to. I know that she is the only one that I have the deepest conversations with. She is the one who knows me better than anyone else in this world. And August 15th, a long time ago, was a lot of fun. But I wouldn't trade it for who we are today. Having gone through struggles and challenges, and difficulties and conflicts, and joys and successes, and kids, she's still the one. And I want that to be true for your marriage as well. Let's pray. God, we are human and therefore not perfect. We are selfish at times and arrogant at times. And we don't forgive like we should. We aren't as merciful as we should be. But from the beginning of time, you've called most of us into a relationship with another human being that we would give our life to, we would share our days with, that we would build memories with. It matters. It matters that the world see Jesus in our marriages. It matters that our kids see not a perfect mom and dad, but a committed, loving mom and dad. It 
matters. And may we take that seriously. In Jesus' name.